Hello, my friends, and welcome back to The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and this is going to be episode 81, and um, I'm going to continue um, what the subject matter of the topic I picked called the Eucharist in the time of the coronavirus, um, because there's several articles I want to go through. Um, Dr. Taylor Marshall and even Michael Voris are warning us that a lot of our U.S. bishops are going to try to um, change the liturgy, change the practice, especially they're going to be those who are going to attack uh, the pious uh, receiving of the Holy Communion on the tongue as a way to try to use coronavirus to try to eliminate that, to <clears throat> destroy it get rid of those pious Catholics and even probably even try to attack the, uh, the old rite, the Latin mass. So this is something we have to, uh, be aware of. So, um, a lot of Catholics, unfortunately don't do the time and research. Um, I guess, you know, you know, it takes time to do it, but, uh, Cardinal Robert Serra, um, said that, no one, no bishop, no priest, no diocese has a right to deny you communion according to your conscience, to your uh, to your conscience, such as receiving communion on on the tongue uh, is your right just as much as it would be a right for a Catholic to receive communion in the hand. Uh, I'm one of those people that don't like the idea of receiving communion in the hand because I feel it's irrever irreverence personally for me uh, because uh, there's been a lot of liturgical abuses, um, you know, people receiving communion in the hand. A lot of times people don't show the proper reverence and respect because they don't really communion in the hand, I think, is an impediment to understanding the real presence. That's how I, I believe. I mean, that's... That's just me. <clears throat> I'm not attacking anyone personally, but um, it's a Protestant concept that made its way into Catholicism that should never have made its way into Catholicism. I think it was it was imposed by um, <clears throat> our Cardinal Bernardine, the late Bernardine, who I've heard so many negative things about because him and a few others uh, took this idea from certain European uh, clerics to try to destroy the real presence. It's a concept that began in the Reformation. And the idea behind it to to force people to receive communion in the hand was to destroy the concept of the real presence. For centuries, Catholicism uh, was always, always um, uh, tried to teach its faithful reverence to the real presence by the priest who only has a right to touch the Eucharist with his consecrated hands to place the Holy Communion, the Holy Presence, in your ma on your tongue, and that has always been the cons that's that's always been the Catholic approach. Of course, comes along Vatican II, and <clears throat> sometime after Vatican II started the movement, the re the the revolution to destroy and reshape the Church. And let's let's face it. I mean, I used to be against this whole idea of like conspiracy theory or or the idea but it's true there have been revolutionaries they don't hide very much right now a lot of them and 
they want to uh, change the whole concept of uh, communion in the uh, the hand. They want to get rid of it. Anyway, um, I like to read a passage from Scripture before we go any further. This is from uh, St. John's Gospel. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Uh, it's chapter 15, verse 911. Uh, reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Jesus said to his disciples, As the Father loves me, so I also love you. Remain in me, in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so the article here is from uh, the National Catholic Reporter. Um, it's by Joshua uh, McLeary, and I picked this article from the last episode reading the uh, Church Militant article. It was a link to it. So, um, the article goes, U.S. Bishop's Guidelines for Reopening Mass in Groups of Ten Sanitizers During Communion. This is from May 4th, 2020. Now, there's another article, which later on, it's about communion in the tongue, and I believe it's by Joshua McLeary. So, let's look at this article here. The U.S. Bishop's Conference has forward a set of recommendations to Catholic prelates, clerics, across the country, proposing various paths forward for how they might rest restart the public celebration of the Mass in their diocese, despite the continued fear of the spread of the coronavirus. In, in an April 30th memorandum obtained by NCR, Archbishop Leonard Blair, head of the Bishop's Committee on Divine Worship, suggests that the prelates consider a series of guidelines prepared by the Thomistic Institute at the Dominican House of Studies in Washington, taking their cue from the Trump administration's opening up for America again plan, which says the country will return to normalcy in three phases. The guidelines offer possibility for celebration of the Mass first in gatherings up to 10 people, then going on there to 50 people, and then on a mere regular unlimited basis. Among the recommendations for the first phase, limiting access to the Mass, either at, at first come, first, uh, first serve basis, or on a rational basis, asking congregants, but not presiders to wear masks and using hand sanitizers during the distribution of communion, which they suggest may still be received on the tongue. Blair, who also leads the Archdiocese of Hartford, Connecticut, says in his memo that he is providing the recommendations to the country's prelates so that if bishops decide to proceed in a particular manner, then the guidelines specify the medical precautions that can can and in need be taken. Determining local sol uh, solutions will require pr uh, prudential judgment as well as respect for sound liturgical practices 
and above all, respect for the matter and form of the sacraments. He states, we can also anticipate that people will disagree on some points. All right, I'm going to stop here for a minute. The matter and form means that the bishops and the priests cannot change the proper way. Like, for example, matter and form is, um, okay, you can't have a female priest saying, uh, a woman as a priest saying uh, liturgy. The matter and form is Christ was a man. The priest has to be also a male. And the matter and form is, it's wine and bread. All right? Uh, but it has to be a proper way. Like, for example, uh, can't have grape juice in place of wine. Um, the wine has to be made, um, you know, has to be made properly. It has to be from grapes and then fermented. Uh, the bread itself, the... Um, can't have a, uh, what do you call it, use crackers, uh, let's say, I know, like buying crackers from a supermarket or something like that. And it has to be done in the way Jesus did it, like the priest in persona Christi um, has to say, this is my body, this is my blood, the way our Lord said it. It has to follow the tradition of Christ, the way Christ set up the form and formula and the manner itself. Now I know I know some people are going to say uh, you know being chauvinistic saying that a woman can't be priest but you got to understand it's the tradition of the apostles that they had that was handed down to them from Jesus Christ everything has to follow according to the guidelines of the church according to the guidelines of the liturgy can't change it you can look it up yourself it's not impossible I know a lot of people. Uh, who are progressives don't want to ignore this, but you can't because once you like start ignoring it, like, I mean, I'll give you an example. Uh, take a look at the fact of way in Nova Sordo, uh, a lot of things just fall apart. I mean, <clears throat> you got in some places, um, like, I mean, look at the, look at the choir. All right. You have a proper choir, a proper chant that has always, uh, a proper way of reverence and music. In the Novus Ordo, some places you got acapella jazz, some places you got folk music. It get, even breaks down to the point where they start putting in liturgical dances um, because they want to try to find different ways to attract people to the mass. And, and what happens is it just doesn't always work. People always walk away i know i do feel you know not really enjoying some of the some of the music because i feel that some of it just doesn't really go well it doesn't you know it, it doesn't belong to a proper worship anyway so let's continue the article uh matter and form he states which uh, we all we can also anticipate that many people will disagree on some points now another one here is um there's a lot of bishops going to try to push this by putting the, the sacrament, the blessed sacrament in paper cups and distribute them. That's another way you could say comes from Protestant thinking. Addressing the first phase in the Trump administration's plan, the guidelines suggest that bishops could allow for public celebration of the mass 
with greater frequency, groups of 10 people uh, or fewer, while encouraging those in populations with special risk to the coronavirus to stay at home. They recommend that the, the, the parishes use tape to mark where people should sit, to maintain six feet of distance between one another, and that choirs not be used. A vigorous singing, especially in close proximity to others, may increase the risk of, of viral spread. Although they ask participants in the Mass to wear masks, they discourage the priest, celebrant, and other ministers from doing so. Instead of suggesting that they keep six feet of distance from one another at all times, the math, the mass is imbued with powerful sacramentals and liturgical symbolism, they say. Wearing a mass and gloves could be a de- detrimental a countersign in this context and is not warranted by consideration of hygiene if the priest remains a proper distance from the congregation. Turning to the issue of communion, the guidelines suggest that the distribution of the Eucharist be moved to take place at the end of Mass, they, they propose that a table be set up at each communion station with a bottle of hand sanitizer. Mass participants are often to come forward, removing their mass to receive communion. Holy communion may not be distributed with gloves, nor may it be received in the hand if a member of the faithful is wearing gloves, says the guidelines. Hand hygiene is effective against the virus, they state. In their circumstances, gloves are not needed if the priest performs hand hygiene. Addressing the question of whether communion should be taken in the hand or on the tongue, the guideline states, we believe that with the precautions listed here, it is possible to distribute on the tongue without unreasonable risk. Okay, opinions on this point varied with the medical and scientific community. Some believe communion on the tongue involves an elevated hand in the light of all the sacraments and an unreasonable risk. Others disagree. They state, if communion on the tongue is provided, one could consider using hand sanitizer after each communicant who receives on the tongue. The Thomistic Institute guidelines, which are available online, were authored by working groups that include two medical doctors, Timothy Flanagan, an infectious disease specialist at the Brown University Medical, or Albert Medical School, and Thomas McGarvin, a specialist in micrographic surgery in Indiana. The group also includes four Dominicans, one biology professor and, and three theologians, and Father, and Father Paul Scalia, the vicar for clergy of the Diocese of Arlington, Virginia, and the son of the late Supreme Court Justice Anton Antonin Scalia. The Institute says the guidelines were, were then reviewed by four other medical doctors, another Arlington priest, another Dominican, and, and Monsignor Robert Vitillo, Secretary General of the International Catholic Migration Commission. Blair's memo also recommends guidelines in the Thomistic Institute has prepared for restarting the uh, the practice of confession and for how to anoint the sick while preventing spread of the virus. For confessions during the first phase of reopening, the Institute suggests that the sacraments can be practiced in person while keeping 
six feet distance between the confessor and the penitent. Okay, this is by Josh McClewey. Um, he's a reporter for the uh, National Catholic Reporter. All right, so uh, they have this online. Uh, let me see if I can put a link here. I think this is what will be interesting to look at. All right. All right, here we have, let's see here. All right. I'm going to try to actually um, see if I could um, find a way to um, to read this. They have actually have a PDF here. Wow. All right. Well, we'll look at it another time. I'll try to, because I want to get the whole thing. Um, there's going to be a lot of, I hate to say this, abuses. I think there's going to be a lot of bishops that are going to try to find their way around it. They're going to try to resist doing communion on the tongue. Michael Voris and Dr. Taylor Marshall both are right. This they're going to they, this was some this was a golden opportunity for a lot of them to do this. Um, look, we've had we've had. There's no vaccine. There's no vaccine for the for the flu. There's flu shots, but there's never a cure for the flu. This is. This is no different. I mean, yes, it spreads faster, it moves faster, but it doesn't mean, I don't think we had to shut everything down. I think we could have done things a little different with some precautions. Um, the bishops had to d uh, drop the ball on this one. They they didn't bother to uh, to communicate with the faithful. They didn't bother to communicate with anybody. They shut the doors it wasn't the governors who told them to do this. It wasn't the president of the United States who told them to do this. They did this on their own. And um, Marshall himself uh, said that they lost a lot of money. It's true. This shutdown has really hurt them. I think in a sense they shot themselves in the foot. But there are many, many bishops, many cardinals who are going to try to push for a European style of uh, receiving tithing, like the German style. A lot of them like the German style because they're going to put themselves out uh, as a um, kind of like a welfare institution, you know, with the with the migrants, with the illegals, with uh, you know, social uh, social. Uh, uh, help institution they're going to try to put themselves out for government grants that's what they want they want government grants they want to make the catholic church more and more into a corporation uh which they've done through uh catholic welfare agencies to put themselves out and they're going to sacrifice the teachings of christ they're going to sacrifice christ himself in a sense yes it's basically the judas uh, the judas method judas iscariot method Put yourself out for 30 pieces of silver and sacrifice the gospel. Sacrifice our Lord. That's what they're going to do for this. And I hate to say it, they're going to be, they, they, I think they're going to be successful at it. Because they're going to wait for another administration, uh, a democratic administration like the Obama administration, and they're going to put themselves out. Now, the interesting thing is, what does this mean for us and Marshall pointed out that this definitely points to uh, the fact that, well, the average Catholic does not need 
to be loyal or faithful to their local diocese, to their local bishop. We are now in the age of the internet. We are now in the age of the social network. We can find Catholic communities where they're faithful to the liturgy, faithful to the gospel. We can migrate. We can move from the greater cities and go to where there is a better community. It may mean for some people a sacrifice of pay. But the good part about it is that you will be sacrificing maybe a large paycheck for a healthier lifestyle, a healthier life. Going out to the Midwest for some places, moving to other places, you know, you might even find yourself, you know, happy that you did that, I guess. Um, I know I'm possibly thinking when I finally uh, retire from my job, I'll probably go out to places it's a small town communities. Uh, take my mom, hopefully my brother and I, and all of us will move to better places where it's a better life. Uh, but I want to be around. I want to be around good Catholics. I want to be around a good community. I want to be around a parish or a church where I can worship better. I don't want to be around this anymore. I don't want to be around. I'm tired of the big cities and I'm tired of the, the liturgical abuses I'm getting very weary about it, and I want more. I want something more healthy, more spiritually healthy. I want a, a more authentic Catholic lifestyle. And that's something to think about. So, folks, uh, I'm going to end it here. But once more, um, about that last part about, of course, I know it's not easy, the idea of taking a pay cut, trust me, uh, you know, I'm like anyone else. I wouldn't want to take a pay cut. But I think maybe what I'm trying to say is, is that living, I think, the authentic Catholic life, I know it's um, it's something we all want, but I think it would be beautiful to live in a community with like-minded Catholics, to find a place where you can be around people who really truly believe in the gospel. And of course, that's in this side of paradise. I know it's not always possible, but um, it's something to think about. If you believe you can do it and it would be good for your kids and your um, their spiritual upbringing, after all, like Taylor Marshall said, your kids are only with you for what, 18 to 20 years and they'll be out of the house. But if you can give them the authentic Catholic uh, faith and uh, it would be with them for the rest of their lives and they can pass it down to their children, God willing, then I think it's worth it. But of course, um, not all of us um, can find it possible. I know living in the big cities, uh, the paychecks will be more. Going out to the Midwest, uh, there'll be uh, cost of living will be different. But hey, you know, it's something to think about. Uh, it's something that um, both you, the wife, and the family have to talk about. Um, for me, of course, if I can retire and find a nice community, um, I'll do it. I'll do it. Um, but anyway, let's end it with a prayer, and I'll get back with another article at some point. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. God bless, and uh, we'll be back together again soon. Amen.